Well, hello and welcome back for episode 41 of the Path Podcast. I am Jason. Hey, I'm Derek. And we are glad that you have decided to join us on the Path today. Um, We're going to recap uh, the beginning of a new sermon series that we started this week here at Lafayette First. Um, I... As crazy as it sounds, I actually love the book of Judges, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just, I I feel like there's so much for us to learn there, and I look forward to everybody getting to be able to see that in the weeks ahead. Um, But just some really great things, and then we want to share our favorite New Testament passages with you guys today, Um, and I'm excited about that. Just some good stuff to talk about God's Word today. Um, But Derek, why don't you begin by um, just sort of, maybe if people missed it, give them a recap real quick of how we started, and then... What's the handle to hold on to this week from the first week of Judges? Yeah, so uh, we started with a question, and I think this kind of mm-hmm. helps helps um, orient our minds and thoughts to where we need to be as we look through this. And the question is, what happens when God's people do not act like God's people? Mm-hmm. And that's what you see in the book of Judges is that the people that God had covenanted with, um, he had... Uh, rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. He had delivered them into the promised land. Um, and then they were supposed to take it and and, and um, um, drive out the uh, pagan worshipers, uh, people who sacrificed babies uh, to their gods and who were a corrupt people so that they would not corrupt the Israelites and the Israelites failed to do that. They uh, stopped acting like God's covenant people. And that phrase, that question, helps us to see that um, not much has changed in in thousands of years. So um, God's people still are uh, not always acting like God's people, right? And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think the Book of Judges is going to be good for us right now um, to to consider and to think about how do we act like God's people? What things do we need to do? And so, uh, the first book of our first chapter, uh, the writer of Judges. Um, any ideas who 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 you think the writer is? Because he doesn't announce himself. Right, he doesn't announce himself. I I have historically in my own life fallen on that it was Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it may, it makes the most sense, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but there are there are other uh, options and beliefs out there. So. Yeah, I'm in the Samuel camp too as well. You know, I don't think it matters right. in this case. Um but but um, it's just kind of a fun thing to think yeah. about. Yeah, it would make it to me. It makes sense. Absolutely, that he would write it. Absolutely, it makes sense. So Samuel, um, a judge himself or a deliverer himself, because really, mm-hmm. this is not like you know Judge Judy or something. You know, <laughs> right, this, right. <laughs> someone with a robe and you know sitting at <laughs> yeah. a and with a, with gavel. a gavel. Yeah, <laughs> these are tribal leaders. They're people. That God raised up to rescue the people out of their own failures and and and, yeah. and uh, trivialities that they had kind of caused themselves. So yeah. um, Samuel ends up being basically the final deliverer in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, though he's not mentioned in the book of 
of Josh or Judges. So it does make sense to me as well that yeah. he kind of he's just recounting all the history. That's he, right. He sees he's a part of this big change mm-hmm. that happens mm-hmm. at the end of the book of Judges, and so it makes sense that he's recounting all that history that's yeah. led to this point in Israel. So chapter one, whoever the author is, is listing kind of what happens after Joshua dies, right? right. Joshua was uh, the leader appointed by God as a, you know, um, as a protege yeah. of Moses. Moses had raised him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua was one of the two, and we actually see the other, the other one, Caleb, the the two uh, who decades prior mm-hmm. had said we can con- conquer the right. land that God has given us because God is with us. But there were ten other spies that then went in with them and said, "No way, man! We're like grasshoppers. We're tiny because they're huge, yeah. and and uh, we we will be killed." Right. So, um, so God sent them back to the wilderness and said, all right, well, you just stay here for 40 yeah. years yeah. until this generation dies off. And Joshua, Caleb were the only two that didn't. Yeah, Joshua leads um, after de- Moses' death, and then we come to his, the end of his life. We looked at this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Joshua's kind of final words to say, hey, worship God. Don't worship the other gods from your previous uh, where you lived previously, don't worship the gods from where you live now. Worship one and only God and mm-hmm. Him only. And He's done all these things for you. He's deserving of your worship. And in the book, chapter one of the book, we see initially they're like, okay, what do we do now that Joshua's dead? God, help us out. And who's going to lead us? You know, And he's like, well, uh, the tribe of Judah is going to lead you. Yeah. And so that happens, and they, they, they make some conquests. But then... Uh, verse 21 and following, it's mostly just, well, the Benjamites uh, Benjamites failed to drive out the Canaanites, and the Canaanites are still living with them today, influencing mm-hmm. them, yeah. you know, and, and it's tribe after tribe after tribe. Didn't drive them out, didn't drive them out, and this was the thing God said. And then in verse 1 through 5 of chapter 2, mm-hmm. the angel of the Lord comes and is like, what are you doing now? These people are going to be a trap. You. Their God is their gods are going to be a trap for you. They're going to be a thorn in your side. Yeah. And so that's where you know. So we see Joshua saying, "Worship God," and and I'm you know it's kind of like he knew that they might not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. well, it's not kind of like that. I it's don't know much, that you understand <laughs> what says, I'm telling you to do here. Yeah. He pretty much says you're not going to do it. And they're like, "No, we will. We really, really will." And he says, um, you know. As for me and my family, we will, but I don't know about the rest of you guys. And yeah. sure enough, chapter one of the book of Judges, here yeah. they are. Um, uh, failing to do what God had called them to do. Failing to live like God's people. Yeah. Um, so here, I think there's a there's a great parallel. Like We didn't dig into this yesterday, uh, but there's a great parallel between the book of Judges and what we see now mm-hmm. in that... The the problem is that they were just disobedient. Mm-hmm. That they did not do exactly what God told them to do right. when they went in to, to drive out the Canaanites. And they, it's almost like they were, you know, it was they were ninety percent obedient. Yeah, but ninety percent obedient is still disobedience. Right. And um, and I think you see a lot of that today, where 
you know, the Israelites could have said, well, but we, I mean, we did, we did pretty much everything yeah. he asked us to do. And you see a lot of Christians today do that same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm checking off all of these boxes. I mean, right. yeah, I didn't do that, but I'm checking off all these boxes. And that, that is disobedience, though, mm-hmm. is what yeah. that is. And I, I mean, I see that in my own life. I'm not just pointing the finger. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's amazing to me how, you know, the book of Judges, thousands of years ago, it, people are exactly the same today. There's not, it's not like you can look back and go, oh, look at those crazy Israelites. Because all you do is, like you said yesterday, you hold this up as a mirror and say, yeah, I see myself right there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I, I even myself, you know, it's, it's easy just to kind of say, well, and, and we rationalize and justify. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you said, it's not like pure disobedience. Right. <clears throat> it's just like, well, you know, I'm kind of tired today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't read my Bible in a while, and I know I probably should, but you know what? I'm I'm going to do this instead or whatever. Yeah. And it starts out little like that, right? Right. Not to say that you know God is going to smite you down because you didn't read your Bible yeah, you today. You missed one day. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's the heart of it, right? It's like yeah. where your heart is, and and um, yeah, and it, you know. We being God's covenant people, Jesus dying on the cross for us, being the ultimate deliverer, right? Because yeah. all these are, all these people are a type of what was to come. It's like to show you, human beings can't get there. Yeah. Like the best human beings or the worst human beings cannot deliver you. Ultimately, right. God is going to have to do that, and that's what we have in Jesus. Thing, yeah. and that's where you see the hope here, right? Right. You have this picture of, of. Um, of what's taking place here, and it's like, oh goodness, they failed again. But <laughs> right. God loved them and directly, you know, directed them again, uh, chastised them, brought them around again, brought a deliverer, delivered them out of their own difficulties. Um, and but ultimately, Jesus fulfills that completely. And yeah. now, as Christians, we possess the Spirit of God. Jesus sent the Spirit to us to help us to live this out every day and so we do it not in our own strength but in his and so but you're right you're absolutely right we we oftentimes just kind of minimize these little decisions like well it's not that big of a difference but it's but it's disobedience yeah um not like full-on fledged you know full-fledged you know um anarchy against god or you know or uh, apathy or agnosticism or or even um 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 you know, not believing in God at all. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not like raising your fist at God. It's just right. like, yeah, I think just today I'm going to do this. And it just starts off so mm-hmm. trivial and small, and we, 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 we think it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah, and that is, you're right. We think it's not a big deal, but it is outright rebellion mm-hmm. against God. And, and that's, while that, that's difficult to hear, it's the truth. I mean, yeah. God, God has asked or has commanded obedience from mm-hmm, us. And when mm-hmm. we say, yeah, I know that, but I want to do this, that's that's rebellion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what that is. And it's it's hard to hear that, but it's the truth. And you see how that plays out when it goes to its ultimate conclusion yeah. in the book of Judges. I tried to use the the example of, because it's, it's talking about covenant, right? And I tried mm-hmm. to use the example of the covenant, you know, many of us have entered into, and that's the covenant of marriage, mm-hmm. right? What well, we, we would expect in a marital relationship, we expect... Um, loving devotion, right? Right. 
that's what a covenant is. We've, we've made promises. I've made promises. You've made promises. And mm-hmm. I expect that out of Allison, and she should expect that out of me. Yeah, right? It's sure. not one-sided. And that's the same thing with God, is God wants his covenant people to act like his covenant people. Yeah. Uh, God wants the people he's entered into covenant with, uh, into this promise with, to look like it yeah. and, and, and care about it and live it out, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of where we are. Right. And what that, what happened is that the Israelites to use the marital example, the Israelites went to bed with the Canaanites. Yeah. They invited them into their bedroom. Right. And, and, and so that, you know, and sometimes in scripture you see that they'll even say, you know, they prostituted themselves mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that to yeah. other gods or whatever. Right. And that's basically what, was taking place and had happened. And, and so in our relationships, our marital relationships, uh, there would be some consequences and some difficulties to work through. Yeah. If something like that happened, we invited someone into our bedroom. Right. The same thing is true here with God. I think you're right. And, and the thing that's so, when, when you step back and look at it objectively for a second, the thing that is so insane about that, the fact that the Israelites have done this, the fact that someone would, Um, be unfaithful in their marriage is that you are God promised the Israelites blessings if they would just stay obedient and they would just do what he asked them to do and they say yeah I mean that's cool and all but I would rather have this Mm -hmm. and people do the same thing in marriages that they Mm -hmm. say you know the the joy of marriage is being able to spend your entire life with this one person in covenant and yet we believe the lie that something's better on the other side or something would make us happier over there. And it never is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's it's believing a lie in place of the truth, mm-hmm. which is so insane when you think about it. But we fall victim to it all the time. Yeah. What's beautiful about the book of Judges, if you look at it as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be, you know, be difficult to see. But... Next week we'll look at the pattern of how God delivers mm-hmm. these people. They they fail. They they get into into craziness. God, they they're worshiping these other gods. God comes in, brings the deliverer. They get rid of all the stuff, and then yeah. the you know the, the blessings are there again. Well, you know um, that's the beauty is that God continually delivers them out of their own mess, Absolutely. and that's what He does. Yeah. That is, that's what He does for us, mm-hmm. right? And He will continue to do that, but. You know, that doesn't mean that we should just go and continue messing up. It's not right. like, well, you know what? My wife's always going to forgive me, so I'm going to go mess around again or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, the beauty of it is, is if we do make a mistake, God is there to lovingly direct us. Christ right. will deliver us. I'm talking about Christians who possess His Holy Spirit. Yeah. We yeah. will still sin. It's not like we're going to, you know, you know. We cannot become perfect on our own, but God makes us perfect, yeah. counts us perfect, and will sanctify us and help us to be more and more perfect as we live our life. But even if we make some mistakes, you know, He He's a loving God. He delivers His people. He helps them to kind of come around. You know, yeah. though it's frustrating, difficult. You know, yeah. uh, but it doesn't mean that we should continue doing that, right? Um, just because He will. You know, yeah. or whatever. Which I think again is another. If we're talking about looking at the book as a whole. One of the other great things about the book of Judges is, Judges is that you see the grace of God over and over mm-hmm, again. That mm-hmm. even in the face of our disobedience, mm-hmm, of Israel's disobedience, mm-hmm. God shows grace mm-hmm. and mercy and love, mm-hmm. and in spite of what is happening in the lives of His people. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a final handle to hold on to. I, the one of the commentaries I read 
uh, I thought it did a great job of kind of relating it to today. Mm-hmm. One of the, the phrases I read yesterday was that, like the ancient Israelites, we too are being squeezed into the mold of the pagan world around us. Mm-hmm. That The writer continues talking about this uh, uh, block. I can't remember his first name. Dan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and he continues talking about that. And the, tr- the truth is, is that is what the world wants us yeah. to do. They, the world would like for us to be squeezed into its mold. And oftentimes we, we, we somehow think, well, you know, um, we can just fit Christianity into that mold too. Yeah. And it's not meant to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not meant to do that. We are meant to transcend that. Jesus said it, or uh, the Bible says it this way. Uh, that we are supposed to be in the world, mm-hmm. but not of the world. And to me, that's kind of this, I, I kind of see things in pictures. It's like, I'm here, but I transcend this yeah. because of Christ and because of what he wants. And so right. because I do that, um, you know, it's kind of like Daniel and, and um, uh, his his, form, you know, his fellow Israelites as they were brought into captivity and put into this you know group of people and, uh, that they were kind of experimenting with, putting through trials, and yeah. they wanted them to eat and drink all this new Babylonian stuff. And they're like, that defiles our us according to our uh, religion, and so we want to eat the things God has told us to eat. And if we do that, we'll we'll be better. So they were able to live in that culture, right? But not be of it and right. transcend it. And guess what? They ended up being. Uh, stronger, faster, and everything than all the stuff that the Babylonians were eating, and that's what we have to do uh, today. Is you know we're Christians, we live out God's rules and God's law in the world that we live in, but we don't get shaped into its mold. We yeah. transcend it, and so I think that's huge. Something that we really need to take away uh, and think about as we live our lives. Uh, we need to be devoted to God and His kingdom, and look like His people. Yeah, you know, right. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about, um, looking at this, uh, the book of Judges and we're, we're going to go through the entire book of Judges, uh, over the course of this year. We'll take a break. We'll do like, be like part one and part two, and we'll have some stuff in between, but, um, we'd encourage you to stay with us and, and as we walk through that. So, yeah, it'll um, be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so as to, to kind of switch gears here. Uh, we wanted to share with you today our favorite New Testament passages. and we'll, So we'll go from one end of the Bible to the other end of the Bible um, in, in our time together. Um, and um, we, what we're going to do is we'll just, we'll share our two passages, or we'll share our passage and then why we enjoy, we, that's our favorite. And then, um, and then we can, we can go from there and discuss however we see fit. Yeah. So. Why don't you start? Okay. So um, I actually cheated. I told Derek beforehand, I have two. Um, we can go back and forth if you want, but um, the thing that's great is that they're only one page apart in my Bible, and it's two different books. So, um, but the first one is um, I, I love the the letter that Paul writes to Titus, um, but specifically I love chapter two verses eleven through fifteen because well let me read it first and then we'll talk about why. So Paul says this: For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people 
for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. Um, and I, I love that passage because um, it is it is a probably the most succinct delivery of the entire gospel in the New Testament. And it's just this, Paul was a great writer, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, obviously, but a great writer in that he goes from the birth of Christ to the death and resurrection of Christ and how we are to respond to that as believers in Christ. And um, to me, it's just a it's a great way to to um, to put it. And I don't know that there's a more to me, it's just a more exciting passage. But um, 13 in verse 13, he says, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, that is what all of the Christian life is to be about. We live in eager expectation of the second coming of our Savior, who when he will come in glory and appear, that, um, you know, when he first appeared, he appeared in hope, that this is, he, he brings salvation for people. When he comes again, he's going to come in glory. And it's, it's not going to be meek and mild. He's going to come glorious and that's going to shine forth and um to me that just gets me excited and i I just love that passage i love that um i love that paul is so again so succinct but so pointed uh in such a very small amount of words there i love i love how this uh verse 14 ties into what we were talking about oh yeah for sure i mean this is just this is the beauty of the old testament being the new testament hidden or christ hidden yeah um Listen, listen to what he says, and this sounds just like what God was doing with those Israelites in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 2. Mm-hmm. He gave himself for us. Yeah. So he's the, he's the deliverer. Yeah. Jesus, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people, mm-hmm. a covenant people, yeah. for his own possession, eager to do good works. And that's... that's how these things tie together and yeah. and, um, and help us to see uh, we are God's people. We ought to act like it, man. We ought to be cleansed mm-hmm. um, for him and yeah, eager to do good works for him. I love that. For sure. So do you want to share yours? No, go then, ahead and t- okay. share your second one. So then. my second one, I flip over one page to the book of uh, Philemon, which is a book that a lot of people may not have read, but... Um, one of the things that I'm so thankful about, like these little bitty short letters as you get further towards the end of the New Testament is I feel like you get a lot more of Paul's personality because they're very um, they're very intimate letters in that he's writing specifically to these people. And there's incredible theological principles that we gain. But, but you get to see Paul's heart as he writes to these people. Um, and the one in Philemon, um, verses 4 through 7, it's just one chapter in Philemon, by the way. But verses 4 through 7, Paul says this, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Um, And I, I love that passage because... It, I, there are names that pop into my head right now that I think about of people that that I thank God always when I remember them in my mm-hmm. prayers. Like I think about um, the prices, and I think about 
the woodcocks and the shells and um, just all these families, the Millers. I think this, these families that when I think of them, it it stirs up joy in me because I'm so thankful that God let our paths cross for the sake of the gospel and that um, what Paul says, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love. And um, and I, I'm so thankful that God has given us people uh, in our lives that we can look to and say, God, thank you so much for these people. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need these people in my life. And um, and so that those two passages together, like with um, Titus, we're, we're just talking about this is the gospel. This is what we're to go out and share. Um, but we don't have to go out and share that alone with Philem- you know, in this Philemon passage. And so um, I'm just I'm thankful for those two passages, and um, and, and they're probably my favorite. And, and there are much more deep theological passages in the New Testament, um, but these two just they, they bring joy to me and they they comfort my soul. So that's cool. Um, I I I, uh, I love the, I love the New Testament. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, my my favorite passage is Romans chapter five. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we'll quote verse eight. It's mm-hmm. my specific New Testament passage, uh, New, New Testament verse that I, I love. But I, I really love the whole passage. Mm-hmm. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Mm. And not only that, but we will also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. Mm. So you get to see the beauty of, of salvation here, not just uh, justification, but sanctification and yeah. glorification. Yeah. And so what you see is that uh, Christ chose to love us uh, while we were still sinners, while we were still uh, ungodly, it says, while we were... Um, um, uh, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if we were, if while we were still enemies, mm-hmm. we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will be saved by His life? And so we see that God chose to send His Son to die for sinners. Um, and I just, I love that. I love, I love. Uh, to know that there's hope, there's grace, there's mercy mm-hmm. uh, for any for anyone who would believe, for anyone who would trust in Christ, uh, salvation is available to sinners. Yeah. Uh, but then also, uh, he doesn't just leave it there, right? He yeah. he completes it. He finishes it. Uh, um, he he's completes every good work he began in us. But he he sanctifies us and makes us holy while we live mm-hmm. here. And he does the work of salvation for us ultimately in that when we see him face to face, we will be made like him mm-hmm. fully. And and uh, and so I love that. I, um, just It's my favorite passage. So Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I love um, that you get to see in that passage specifically the, um, the initiation that God or the, the initiative that God takes, that it's not 
There was nothing about salvation that begins in us. It all begins in Him, and and He's the one who chases us down, even when we when we're to use a, the term. That's a strong word to say that we were enemies of God, mm-hmm. and so enemies are not ones who seek out salvation from mm-hmm. from an individual, uh, and just the to know that God is the, is the one who seeks us out when we mm-hmm. don't even realize we need to be saved. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's great. There's great joy in that. Yeah. While we were wallowing in our sins, kind of the picture I get. Yeah. Know? And and happy with it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um he revealed himself to us and said, Hey, there's a better life here, you know. Right. Uh and um through his grace and mercy our eyes were opened. We we're able to we were able to to believe trust. Uh you know, it's it's the miracle man of salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh I was six years old when Jesus showed that to me. You know, um the Bible shows us and tells us that that's something we couldn't figure out on our own. It's not something we would seek on our own, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that God revealed that to me—that I was uh, in need of a Savior, and right. here's a God that would save me, you know. And I, I, it's the beauty of, of seeing that, and um, some of the baptisms we've recently done. We did one mm-hmm. yesterday with Bren, and and uh, to see God working in her heart and life to show her yeah. she needed Him, and um, and so that that's so cool, man. It's just the miracle. Yeah. Of that, yeah, we weren't seeking it, but God made it available yeah. to and us. and I, I love the, uh, I love Bryn's matter of factness. So when she was telling her story of, she said, you know, I, I think I want to be baptized, mommy. And Jill says, well, why would you want to be baptized? She goes, because I'm a Christian. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've asked Jesus into my heart. That's what yeah. you do next. You get baptized. And I, yeah. I love the, the simplicity and the honesty in that. But mm-hmm. it's also such a great picture for us to, you know, may God restore the joy of our salvation Absolutely. to us that. That, that that joy that you have when you first come to faith in Christ, man, that gosh, I want to hold on to that. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. I want to hold on to that. And and I think so often we let life steal that joy from yeah. us, and, and we have to ask God to restore it to us. But but you're right that we, we see that here in this passage that um, that God saves us, and there's such, there's such great joy there. There is, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, we would love to know, do you have a favorite New Testament passage? Hopefully you do, and we would love to hear about that and share with you about it. Um, you can email us at thepath at lafayettefirst.life, or you can comment on this YouTube video. Um, but we'd love to know. We'd love to hear how is it that um, that God has spoken to you through the New Testament. Also, is there anything that jumped out at you from this first week of the Book of Judges as we're going through that you'd love to talk about? We'd love to talk with you about that. Um, But until next time, I am Jason. I'm Jarrett. And we hope that you will join us next time as we continue down the path.